These are the tribulations of Paulette. So here's the scene. High noon, a dark bedroom, a wedding anniversary, a solo bride. Why, it's the good, the bad, and the ugly, complete with the Ennio Morricone theme, as the groom crosses the threshold and squints Eastwood-like on not one, but two vibrators. Torn between two lovers, feeling like a fool. As my husband Dave slowly raises his eyes to meet mine, I abruptly grind gears from the height of pleasure to the depth of mortification without disengaging the clutch. Arms akimbo, Dave can only comment, What did you do to your face? I can't imagine what he's talking about. And then I remember the shots I got at Dr. Fish's office. You're all bruised, he tells me, and as I reach up to touch my jowls, Dave says, Paulette, your hands are bleeding. The scarlet slashes come from the cuts I got while I was trying to open the plastic clamshell boxes that the vibrators came in. I'm speechless. I'm getting a sandwich, is Dave's exit line. I fall back into my pillow. Ooh-ee-ee-oo, wah-wah-wah. Tending my wounds, my eyes well up. Dave avoided me and forfeited a perfect opportunity for love in the afternoon. The marriage has killed the romance. If only we could live in separate houses and see each other a few times a month. Instead, Dave sees my hair in the sink, my used Q-tips garnishing the trash, and he knows what I look like in curlers. I must gross him out. On the other hand, maybe I should excuse Dave from not rising to the occasion. He works really hard for our family, and maybe he feels bad about my having to rely on Taiwanese self-pleasure technology. Now that I think of it, he might view it as competition. When I come into the kitchen swathed in band-aids, Dave has the good taste not to mention what he just witnessed. As he wolfs down a turkey sandwich, I offer to cook our anniversary dinner because I feel guilty about the splurge with Dr. Fish. Next, I tell him about my spy date with Bertie, where we saw Bunyan and the ball-peen hammer. Ball-peen hammer, Dave asks incredulously. That's a mechanic's tool. They use it to pound things. Another zing of worry for Dolly pierces the pit of my stomach. Dave warns me to stay out of it. She'll figure it out soon enough, he reasons. But love is blind. I need only to reflect on the handfuls of worms I myself amassed in years past. My mother, Nancy, between slugs of her martini and deep drags off Kent Threes, always cautioned, never come between two people. The object of my worry phones an hour later as I'm up to my ears in Spetzel, Dave's anniversary dinner request. We are coming for a drive-by, Dolly says, and I know that we means he, too. Moments later, Dolly rolls up to my back stoop. She doesn't need the wine I poured for her because she already has a drink between her knees, an actual cocktail in a 16-ounce plastic cup with her country club crest on it. As I lower myself on the back step to get level with the car window, 
Dolly expresses concern about my black and blue face. Explaining that I've been to Dr. Fish, I hear a cackle from the passenger seat. Yeah, we all need some beauty help every now and then. I look beyond Dolly to view an all-new, almost unrecognizable bunion, clad in a houndstooth jacket and eye-bob readers. Chortling, he spits out the whole of his upper teeth into his hand. Cosmetic dentist did me wonders, he says, beaming a toothless smile. Cost a fortune, but you gotta have teeth. He pops his choppers back in, pearly whites aglow. Dolly giggles like a schoolgirl, thusly clad. Bunyan has an air of Jay Gatsby about him. Dolly, his doting daisy. You won't believe it, Dolly begins. We were shopping at Brooks Brothers. I can see that, I say. And we witnessed a robbery right on Newbury Street. Two guys tried to hold up Cartier. Bunyan got their license number. Channel 5 showed up and interviewed Bunyan, and he's going to be on the 6 o'clock news. We were so excited that we had to get drinks, so we stopped by the club on the way here. Uh Uh-oh. Bunyan downs his drink and dumps the remnants out of the window onto my driveway. Well, more later, Dolly says, sipping her vodka and starting her takeoff roll. We're off to buy Bunyan some golf clubs. Don't forget to watch the news. Bunyan's ascendance from penitentiary to putting green appears to be one chip shot shy. Distraught, I return to my kitchen in the Spetzel and do the most sensible thing I've done all day. I call Brian for a liquor delivery. I manage to sip two full wine glasses while Brian hears the whole Bunyan saga, kids running in and out at intervals. The clock strikes six. Brian switches on the kitchen TV for me, and the broadcast opens with the attempted armed robbery. Moments later, Bunyan is interviewed as an eyewitness. He's laden with Brooks Brothers bags and clearly enjoys his 15 minutes of fame. I pretty much caught them red-handed, he says. Getting the license number was easy. Easy if you possess an historic familiarity with license plates. At the end of his interview, the camera zooms in on his weathered face as he utters, They'll get you, boys. It's only a matter of time. It never pays. So barketh McGruff the crime dog. Dave comes home exhausted. The kids are bribed and disappear, and I feed Dave his veal and spetzel. We drink a bottle of nice champagne and toast the many years we've been married. When it comes to anniversary presents, Dave goes by the book. Year one is paper, two is cotton, three is leather, and so on. Year nine was pottery, and although I treasure my duck tureen, I admit I hoped for more. Eleven is steel. Smiling, Dave carries in the big present. We're going to have a great summer of playing together, he announces, as I whip off the wrapping paper on my new pitching wedge. Through my smile, I shudder slightly at my karmic connection with the old sport bunion. Ooh-ee-ooh-ee-ooh! Wah, wah, wah! Dave heads off to bed. I do the dishes, and as I go to charge my cell phone, I notice several voicemails from Ted, my high school boyfriend. He'll have to wait. I've got another call to return first, one that's been nagging at me all day. I check on Dave, already out cold and snoring heavenward. I grab what I need and head to the guest room. Where were we, I ask the intruder, before we were so rudely interrupted. 
resuming our intimacies, I'm the big bird again, back on the cliff, soaring toward the sea. Then I hear the annoying sound of my landline ringing. Ugh, I've got to get it before it wakes up the whole house. I leap for the extension, check caller ID, and see that it is Ted. It's after 10, I hiss into the phone. I've been trying to call you all afternoon, Ted says. Something's happened. Not here, I think, as I switch off the intruder. For the second time today, this old bird's fallen just shy of a landing. listening to the very cool sounds of Mr. Eric Fontana. Next time, it's the sweet mystery of life. Till then, ta-ta. Ta-ta.